welcome to Yes Indeed Pod, a podcast about indie tabletop role-playing games where I interview creators about their games and inspirations and about the theory, process and practice of game design. My name is Mark Shepard, your host today and always, and your friendly local indie enthusiast. Throughout April and May, we're talking to creators from the RPGC community. That's creators from all around Southeast Asia. Today, we're talking to Maria, a story designer for tabletop and video games and an artist extraordinaire whose games will blow you away. A slight warning in advance that their audio is a little ropey at times due to some issues with the remote recording bot. I've done what I can, but I'm sorry in advance. Now that's out of my head and into yours, let's talk indie. Okay, so today we're talking to Maria. Hi there, Maria, and welcome to the podcast. Hello. Would you like to take a minute to introduce yourself and let us know what you do in the indie tabletop role-playing game scene? Uh, so, hi, I'm Maria. I live in the Philippines. I live in La Union, which is a surf town. And I love making lyric games, participatory art. Uh, I used to work in theater and have a lot of dance experience. So I really love a lot of somatic games, actually, and... TTRPGs that sound almost LARPish or like definitely more story game and very short. That's why I have a lot of games that are like really bite-sized in a way. And yeah, that's me. That's what we like. (laughs) (laughs) I first became uh, familiar with your work through the game Archangel Dating Simulator, which I think was in the itch bundle for racial justice and equality last year. Yes. And that is a super cool game. It's very smart, it's slick, it's short and uh, focused on the narrative that it tells. And I think it's pretty wonderful. And like, if the rest of your work is like that, then I think everybody who listens to this show is definitely going to be into what you do. So do you want to give us a little bit of a background on on what that game is? Sure, of course. Um, Archangel Dating Simulator is basically a story game where you unfold a love story between an angel and a human and how their fates are tied together surrounded around a particular theme or lesson. So for example, Gabriel is about communication, Raphael is about healing, Azrael is about death and rebirth. And I just really like it because sometimes you want your story games to be very specific. And I just really like how evocative the tarot is and how collaborative it could be with both the um, game writer and the player. So it's a really cool solo game, but it's also like a really fun game to play with. A small group of people. I think one of the things I liked most about it was that it looked on the surface like it was quite, you know, sort of not silly, but like not particularly serious, not particularly reverent. But then when you actually start playing it, it feels like it's really, really emotionally heavy. It's like it has such strong content. And I think it's because people um, kind of hook into their own experiences of early romance and dating. And like the questions that you ask seem to be very leading towards that kind of emotional content. And I think that's pretty fantastic. It's really interesting. So (laughs) it's definitely a lot deeper than perhaps it initially sounds. Yeah, definitely. I feel like romance is one of those things that people are always going to be like slightly triggered by or not really triggered, but more of like energetically have like a lot of feelings towards. Yes. Like if you ask, what is the cost of love or why can't I not have her? I feel like people automatically have really good, vivid answers to it. And it's really Yes, definitely. Yeah, and it's it's such an engaging story because people are so invested because when they project themselves into these characters, into these stories, it's like a very kind way to see yourself. I feel like it's such a good place to talk about it too. Also safe space because... Um, you could code the characters into a different name and a different place. And it's like, it's really a way to distance yourself from 
what happened, but also at the same time, hold it. So you're like lightly holding it. You're not grabbing it by the neck. So it's just a, yeah. I, feel, I feel like tabletop and story games, um, both solo and collaborative are like really cool spaces to explore that kind of internal world in a very conscious manner and is like yes. I the role of storytelling in general in terms of like I mean we talk to our friends about what happened to us right so even telling stories that quote unquote didn't happen to us but you know is inspired by the things that do is such a beautiful uh, labor of work absolutely so sort of romance games and romance story games are not something that it's not a big part of the scene if you like definitely yeah yeah they are coming out more and more and um i think that's fantastic to see so like i think the biggest examples are kind of the emily care boss games like the literally the romance trilogy which are super super cool games um i can't remember what they're all called <laughs> breaking the ice shooting the moon and under my skin and they're all very very cool games and they have nice little narrative hooks and they're very romantic but they're kind of light-hearted and i think the other thing that the scene of romantic story games need is the, the kind of emotional labor of being involved in a relationship and like i think some of the games that you've created and have put out there i definitely have that feel to them so I'm, I'm very interested to see how that develops you know it's it's really nice <laughs> oh well absolutely you know i i want to say it where i see it it's good fantastic i think one of the things you were you were you were touching on there was about kind of um healing and development through play do you want to talk a little bit about that i know it's something that you're interested in oh yeah definitely hmm, hmm, hmm. i have several thoughts i will put them in order <laughs> Uh, well, first off, in the in terms of like the romance thing, and then how to um why it's not super popular. I feel like a part of it is because I feel like even the story we have for what love is or what romance is is constantly changing. Because I mean, get any writer and they would bash like the most popular rom com or just chick lit in general. So I feel like right. it's really right. So it's really like. It's almost like rebellious to insist that love is still important, but remake it into like, what is it actually about? And that's why I really like the premise of Archangel Dating Simulator, because the start is you have a lesson with this person and that's why y'all gonna meet, you know? And I just want, I guess that's my own belief of what love and relationships is. Yeah. 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 And I, and I know that not everybody believes that, but um, I think that's like one of the, underlying premises that i put forth that i kind of want to um see myself in like in romance genres or like how people um create relationships and stories because i mean even in games that are focused on tactical stuff or drama or like war i mean people will still put you know romance or sometimes it's the spiciest part of the whole campaign so i'm like <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely we should be able to like have like a healthy discussion of how we tell these stories but yeah um in terms of like the um healing stuff i feel like the act of speaking your story and also being deeply listened to like authentically listened to is really powerful but i understand that not everybody has the privilege of like having like the best support group or the people who are available to you so um i actually had an experience where content warning death um my dog died <laughs> And then I had like a session right after that they like put him down. 
And then in that session, they were actually mostly strangers. Like I didn't, because I was, I'm part of the gauntlet. Um, and yeah. I only knew like two people, but the other people I didn't know. But I ended up like projecting onto my PC, like super sad. Like my little Fox character was very sad, you know, about like a friend that he right, knew. Yeah. 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 And and my party was super sweet to me, like without needing to know that like something happened to me personally. And it was so yeah. how do I say this? Like they gave me a comfort that was so it was like right on the spot without needing to know. Yeah. I feel like it's such a beautiful thing with like the internet and with like strangers that we can say these stories in code and we can meet each other there, right? You know, like you don't need to know everything about what happened to the person you're playing with, but you know, you know how to interact with like the character in the scene or the emotions that come up in the scene. So I feel yeah, like it's absolutely powerful and beautiful tool. Like it's such, it's so great. Like I feel like theater people should know about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I feel like um, I'm privileged enough to be able to play with a lot of play groups who are really good at that and are are just really cool people in general. So it's just really fun. And I, I've seen a lot of people do research. I know that Dewata and I know that Sam is into like like the academic part of this, but I also know that there's like a lot of intuitive people or just people who are invested in their own self-healing, like put in mechanics, yeah. just good design that helps people be more self-aware or realize process stuff yeah games yeah and stories because because i really feel like play is like your creativity having fun right so it's like that's just so safe in a sense it is yeah i, I think it's really validating when you do some storytelling with other people and uh you know as you've said that it's kind of it's kind of safe space because storytelling is a very fundamental and basic thing that people enjoy and uh and like and it's it's an easy mode to explain stuff through and, and so on so i think when you get to that kind of uh, level of trust with other people and you can tell your own stories through the stories of your characters perhaps that it's really nice when people give you that feedback of <laughs> this is really sweet and um, I want to play that I mean it does require a level of trust and it does require a certain play style at the table and it, it requires people to kind of take games not seriously mm -hmm. but not necessarily at face value of this is a tactical rpg yeah, and yeah. we are specifically going out there to do some murder and theft yeah yeah like you're not trying to win yeah exactly yeah. so i think there are games that where mechanically mm -hmm. you don't necessarily have to have the mechanics to deal with romance and healing and emotional content but you mm -hmm. do have to have players who kind of have the emotional understanding that people might want to do that and i think some games just don't emphasize that at all definitely so perhaps pathfinder would be the would be the solid example there because it's so focused on combat and to a lesser extent intrigue mm. rather than say i don't know powered by the apocalypse where everything is a lot freer you can feed back more into the narrative and the emotional content of the game as well it's definitely the intentions of the players because i really do feel how some people definitely love the chess feeling of the of the games the mechanics the crunch and then some people just really like the emotionality and the yeah and the relationships yeah and pull or like the little moments the mundane stuff so i feel like it's okay it's just like genre you know uh and so yeah. the players are 
different. So it's just nice to be able to carve out the games that you want to play, right? So I like games like yeah. these because I end up in groups that are like, oh, okay, we're doing that, right? <laughs> I forgot. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's more of like just being clear that, oh, okay, guys, this is more emotional and more like relationship focused. And it's a session zero level thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's yeah. saying from you the off, you know. In terms of like inviting people to what kind of stories, but yeah. But I think it's really valid and and, and really interesting way to play. And yeah, I definitely fully support the heavy emotional content games because that's kind of what I'm all about, really. <laughs> yeah, they're fun, right? They're like a specific kind of fun. And I really want to emphasize that the creativity is important because, or like the creating something, because I feel like a lot of people who do expressive arts or healing arts, they just it stops on the awareness level like they just have a picture of what's going on like you're looking at a hard mirror right and sometimes that's just too harsh so what i really yeah. like about the top is that it's really like a playhouse right it's not even 100 percent healing there's just like an underneath 20 percent healing and everything else is just fun <laughs> you know everything else is just <laughs> like stuff that makes you feel happy and comfortable that's and right like it's it's important to yeah. yeah it's important to see the play experience as not therapy because it's yeah, not yeah. and it's important to see it as a creative exercise that has a therapeutic aspect to it yeah 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 like that's just a side effect <laughs> but the whole creative process and just having fun because i'm also a dancer and we also do pieces that have a process that's more self-inquiry but you're still making a dance it's not just yeah. all like oh my god when did this happen to me or whatever no you're you're making something it's material for something yeah absolutely like the direction of what the hell you're trying to figure out i hope that's not too vague <laughs> no absolutely i think that's important well it's very cool thank you for taking us through that i think that's really interesting one of the things that you picked up on there was that you've been playing a lot through the gauntlet and through other online spaces uh, i think you are kind of newer to the RPG scene than maybe some of the other people we have on the show. Definitely. Do you want to tell us about like your experiences of playing with an international scene before more getting more involved with the local scene? To be honest, I started playing tabletop because I'm like a tarot friend of Jammy and I uh-huh. just a lot of their games. So like that's the extent of my like local like RP play and then when I got into the gauntlet, the gauntlet has like a lot of indie stuff. Yeah. I have a lot of fun meeting new people, actually meeting like a lot of creative people, a lot of really good GMs and players. I just really like creative people. They're fun. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to say that you feel like you go to a, well, at the start, I felt like I was going to a mini conference because it's like, oh, I'm a woman. Oh, I'm POC or something like that. And I'm used to like yeah. at least school or in like media that I defer to these kinds of people. But since it's like a play setup, I'm on equal footing with someone who's usually I would perceive to be above me, right? And they play like a different character who is not what they look like. So it's just at the beginning it was such a it was such a mind bender for me, <laughs> to be honest. Right, but, yeah. Oh uh, yeah, and sometimes there's a lot of like cultural references that go through. Like for example, Labyrinth is based on like the movie, right? And it has like a lot of goblin lore, a lot of European lore. And I swear to God, when we were playing, I kept pulling up Wikipedia pages because a lot of stuff that right. like yeah. just yeah. drop about the fantasy and I'm like, I really don't know these things. <laughs> so I'm like I kept having to Google everything, but it was still fun. But sometimes I just remember how 
how foreign I am in, from these like cultural head spaces and how shared creativity is also like shared history and shared signs and symbols. But I feel like I feel like the internet's like a, a place in itself too. You know how like people say, I don't really work from Minnesota, I work on the internet. I think I think Hank Green said that one time and I really like that quote. I feel like the internet also has a sense of space and time and experience and that we have a lot more shared experiences than we think. But yeah. I, I think kind of the long running joke is that people are longing for the day when they can say that I am from the internet rather than, you know, from having to oh, attach themselves to a certain political <laughs> uh, social construct that is a country. Um, <laughs> I mean, having said it once, I think I can say it too. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And like, I, I think that is really interesting. But you know, you are also bringing your own cultural and historical experiences to play as well, which is really valid. It can just be, I guess, it's a bit, it's a bit of a gradient that you're pushing against. Um, because there is this big history of role playing games being very, very embedded in European and to a lesser extent, American mythology and culture. And that, that can be, that can be difficult to push against. I mean, like, even I find that difficult because I'm not like super, super, you know, in the know about Northern European mythology. I just like, I've, I've never found it super interesting. <laughs> so yeah. So th- those other kind of cultural spaces that are really interesting to investigate as well. And I know that people in RPGC are making games about the Philippines mythology and the mythology of other countries um, in Southeast Asia. And I think that's, that's really fascinating. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's so, it's so healthy for that scene to be talking about its own mythology and being confident enough to put those games out there and for them to be selling beyond those shores, which is very, very cool. Yeah, definitely. I feel like it's not, um, yeah, it's not just myths too. It's like, philosophy and like even how we perceive or what stories you prioritize so like i feel like for example in terms of like supernatural stuff magic i i feel like i i wrote a thread about this a while ago for me a lot of western or european fantasies magic seems so up there or it seems otherworldly where for example um, mexican or asian concepts of magic or energy would be so lived like it would be so normal like it's not like it's not yeah like that's why i really like dating simulator because um i think it hits the note of like the magical and the mundane being stitched together like yeah of course i'm talking yes right it's not yes absolutely yeah we are angels no it's normal life and you're talking to an angel so there's that kind of um proximity to it so the waiting room anghintayan it's about purgatory being in a supermarket right <laughs> feels like that or fantasy and the mundane crashing together yeah well personally for me it's a really real space for me in terms of like um how we perceive magic here and how we tell stories here so even the whole saying oh yeah okay i feel like Likorkini has a good hold of like, yeah, epic tales, epic fantasy. But I also feel like we have a lot of everyday magic shit that like, um, it's almost closer to how like fanfic writers write coffee shop AU that's also magic. Yes. You know, that kind of scale yeah. of Yeah, magic. yeah, yeah. I mean, I really like the whole giant dragon's magic, but I also love the whole, oh, I make antidotes for love sick patients magic, you know. Yes, and Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and I yeah. feel like the Philippines, or at least my experience of it, has a lot of like old wives' tales or aunts and uncles who would be like, oh yeah, my uncle 
found this rock that would cure you for this or whatever. And I feel like um, making stories or making games that provide space for those kinds of tales to be told is really fun or like worth doing because that's our life. <laughs> yeah, and I think there is some of that mood in um, modern story game traditions in Europe and America and Australia, if you like, but it, it feels different and it, it feels more countercultural, whereas what you're talking about is this kind of elision of the mundane and the supernatural in everyday life and it being, you know, just something that happens. And that's very, very cool. And I really, really like that and respect it a lot. That's one of the big themes of games that I see coming out of RPGC. And hey, happy that you like it. Yes. Yes. I feel like that's also the appeal of like the Ghibli stuff or like the anime stuff in terms of like. Yeah. Because Ghibli has such a good hold of the mundane. Yeah. 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 And I feel like there's a lot of people who. I mean, if you dip too far into escapism and fantasy, uh, you kind of autocorrect into, oh, okay, well, how about if we look at like really normal mundane stuff, like, you know, going to work or like bumping into somebody, buying them a potty plant, you know? Like, I yeah. like, believe it that people would want to make games or tell stories that are about that, but people do want to tell stories about that. Like, if you go too far in one end, you also kind of go, the other way too that kind of mundane space gives you a really good opportunity to explore deep emotional content as well and also you know you don't necessarily have to do that because everybody has an understanding of what normal life is like and could possibly have a really good insight as to how that could be changed if i don't know you met an angel or a ghost or you were somehow involved in some weird supernatural phenomenon so it's very interesting <laughs> shall we say to to kind of think about how those stories might interact I think one of the other projects that you were, that you were talking about, um, I don't think you mentioned it before, but it, it's this, this idea of dual natures and that you made through Twitter with several other people. Yeah. So, uh, Viditya at one point was talking on Twitter about how they wanted an avatar tabletop RPG, but only the dueling part or only the fights and how, um, it roots to like the elemental natures of both the characters and what they're sorting out. And then yeah. Kazumi was replying and then they were tagging me and I was like, guys, just, just get into a G doc. And, and then in like one, <laughs> in like one spurt of like crazy typing, we, we made a crazy BOB game in under 24 hours. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I guess I really like it because I love how we're in a specific space on Twitter and itch on how much we could listen to each other's voices and make stuff. And yeah. I think the interplay between itch and Twitter and like, that that's really interesting and it's 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 cool that you've kind of brought that to a head by making a game that kind of combined the two <laughs> and it, it that's really cool actually i just think there's like there's so much crossover between the short-lived rapid nature of twitter and like how the itch scene for ttrpgs is developing as a kind of weird experimental space as well as a space where more serious games are produced so yeah it's it's interesting to see how online communities collide like that yeah i feel like it's also just a space that we can play with each other yeah so even the process of game making can be playful too yeah are you using itch.io to um fund the development of dual natures as well oh dual natures is just like a baby game it's not it's not going to be expanded or whatever i mean it's not really exactly played or whatever but i just really like how i just like the idea that 
a lot of people could just uh, a lot of people could have different voices about a shared experience and come together about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just really like the moment. I come from the school of thought on Twitter that a game doesn't need to be widely played for it to be like a valid game. Like even reading a game, imagining a game, talking about games is also kind of like play. I 100% agree. Right, right. So even dual natures, I feel like it's a good read. You could play it definitely, but I feel like it's like a way to teach you about how to feel about the different elements and how different yeah. people feel about the different elements and how they personify it through talking, fighting, falling in love and being places. So instead of like reading five element eating or tarot deck elements, you read this game. Yeah. So I feel like that's the point of the game. <laughs> No, that's fantastic. Yeah. I guess it could also reflect you back to Avatar and have appreciation for like how it was created or how it conceptualized the different elements too. People talk about this uh, idea of lyric games, which are there to be kind of read and appreciated more than they are to be played. Although obviously they are also there to be played. And that feels almost exactly like what you're talking about there. Oh yeah. And the, there is, there is a separate school of thought that, that says, you know, if you are just buying a game to read it and to be fueled by the creativity involved therein, then you are missing an enormous part of what creating and playing games is because you know you're kind of throwing out the baby with a bathwater if you like um that you're missing that that big bit of play but i don't always necessarily agree and i don't think that a game has to have a huge following and has to have uh has to have been played to death if you like mm-hmm. to to be considered to be valid like there are loads of cool games out there that only get played a tiny bit maybe only get play tested maybe don't even get play tested but they still have such enormous creative energy and um validity and importance in the scene um i super agree um I, my most famous lyric game is i eat mantras for breakfast which is also in the bundle people still tweet to me about it and it's basically like a big ass scream fest ritual to yourself. And like the mechanics are technically stuff you want to exercise from your body and yell into a page. Right. Yeah. And it's like this shifting colors to black, colors to black, colors to black. So it's more of like an experience rather than how people perceive games should be in a sense that there's a player and then there's a story and then you make the story. Um, whereas I guess, I mean, lyric games can be anything. But um, at least I eat mantras for breakfast is more of like, it's almost like a process. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because you're like playing with yourself in terms of like, oh, what will happen if I did this? You know? Yeah. So I feel like there's that, there's definitely that kind of play style and kind. And I, that, that, that's why I mentioned participatory art. Because if you look at Yoko Ono's Grapefruit, if you look at like the weird performance artists or like just the art scene, like like the fancy art scene. Right, yeah. Yeah, they love making participatory stuff, which are kind of just like games, you know, like dancers yeah. singing and they're like waiting for you to react from the door. And then yeah. they move based on how you move. That's a game right it's just not a tabletop yeah yeah. but that's still a game (laughs) so right and it's just for indie games i mean it has video games so even games that you say would be more legible to like those kind of faces Mm. it's not welcome an itch and i feel like uh, a lot of people still get those kind of games even on twitter i don't want to say that people who like 
art like my games specifically i think it's more they just get weird poems yeah. and also be games <laughs> but yeah they understand the energy yeah that's important i just want to say that i'm very thankful and i'm really happy that itch and like our weird space in twitter is like this place where we encourage people to be creative not only in making games but just playing because playing is also like a creative act and yeah and i love how we're like all helping each other so I'm just really yes, grateful absolutely, <laughs> and happy. <laughs> so thank yes. you. Like I find it like <laughs> every time I have a job, like from one of the indie folks on Twitter, I'm like, this is so cool. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, I encourage everybody who has a project going on to, uh, to employ you to do layout because your layout is absolutely on point. It is incredible. You are a, <laughs> a super creative person in the scene who deserves to get lots of attention and credit. So yeah, please go out and hire Maria. <laughs> Thank you. Maria, do you want to tell us where we can find you on the internet? Okay. My itch page is Maria Bumbi, which is M-I-R-I-A-B-U-M-B-Y. My Twitter handle is Maria Misson. R-I-A-M-I-S-O-N and my Patreon is also Maria Misson. And yeah, so you can get my games there for cheaper because they're all there. But otherwise, you can get it on itch or Twitter. And free, feel free to message or yell at me. I love exchanging ideas and collaborating and stuff. Absolutely. Well, I do encourage everybody to go out and follow Maria because you're a very cool person. You know, you have a lot of interesting ideas, a lot of interesting things to say, and you make very cool games. Thank you so much. Ah. <laughs> I guess all that remains for me to say is thank you very much for coming on Yes Indeed Pod and well, let's have you back on the show next time you have some really cool project to promote. Yes, yes, no problem. Thanks for listening and thanks again to Maria for the interview. As always, you can find all of the links in the episode description. Next time, we're continuing our RPGC series with an interview from Jammy, a wonderful tabletop role-playing game designer whose games, podcasts, and energy will stick with you for a good long time. We talked about a massive variety of topics, and I can't wait for you to hear this interview, so tune in next time to find out more. If you enjoy Yes Indeed Pod, please rate and review the show wherever you find your podcasts, or consider donating through the Ko-Fi page at ko-fi.com slash yesindeedpod. Of course, you can always reach out to me through Twitter at YesIndeedPod. That's Y-E-S-I-N-D-I-E-D-P-O-D. I'd love dearly to hear from you. Lastly, music credits. The intro music is from Blippi Trance, and the outro music and interstitials are from VidQuest, both by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com and Filmmusic.io. Thank you, Kevin. Until next time, remember, does Indie need you? Yes, indeed.